0: I don't like that video. <laughs> I know I shouldn't say this as the media team made it, and they're also the ones controlling my microphone. <laughs> but I don't like it. It's not because the lighting isn't good, it's beautiful. I get a little bit anxiety with a phone just ringing and no one answering it. I was raised that way, you see. This phone is the kind of phone I grew up with. My parents had the fancy cordless one in their bedroom. But the rest of us, we had a cord. And having two older brothers It was dangerous if someone were calling you and someone else answered the phone first. (laughs) My two older brothers were two years older than me and it was a competitive world we grew up in. You didn't let the phone ring twice and then answer it. No, that phone started ringing and throughout the house there was a mad dash to the nearest phone. Who could get there first? And it only got worse when my voice changed and my father discovered that he and I sounded exactly the same over the telephone. He confessed my love to people without my permission. (laughs) It gives me anxiety to just hear a phone ringing my wife laughs at me because i have trouble when my phone says spam risk not answering it because what if it's someone i need to talk to i don't understand when you can call someone and they don't answer I think of one person in particular. He will send me a text and I will text him back immediately, and I'll get like this auto generated message I'm not texting right now. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I'm not going to talk about Jose up here. <laughs> but it's rough, isn't it? It's rough when you try calling someone and they don't answer and it doesn't get less rough when that person you're trying to call is Jesus and I'm not talking about those little things I'm talking about when the storms hit when life gets messy when all of a sudden things get turned upside down and you call out to Jesus and there's nothing there you know what I'm talking about I wish that you didn't, but there's not a one of us sitting here who doesn't know firsthand what these storms are like. The end of this last school year, as I was talking to the junior high students, I heard story after story of storms they had been through this year. And also stories of calling out to Jesus, and it seemed like no one was a hindsight. Unfortunately, we know what that's like. I picked an unlikely text to talk about Jesus not answering because here, Jesus does answer. But as we read through the story of Elijah, first of all, we understand here's a man who understood storms. But also, in the way God answers, I think is a secret to where he is in our storms. Elijah knew storms. Can you imagine what it was like to walk in to the throne room of Ahab to deliver bad news? When he told Ahab things he didn't want to hear, it didn't go well. Example, Naboth. Naboth. And from there he goes to the brook Cherith where he is completely and totally relying on God for his food and water. And when the brook dries up and the food stops coming, God tells him to go to Zarephath. And there he meets a widow. A widow who is sitting there and she's collecting the last few sticks so that she can make her last meal and then her and her son can die. And Elijah says, yes, but could you make me some bread first? And by doing that, he invites her and her son to completely rely on God also. And they go through that storm together. And then there's Mount Carmel. And there top Mount Carmel he invites all of Israel to completely trust in God. And they do it. And God shows up again. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Horeb. The mountain of God where Elijah runs to after Relying on God over and over and over again. And all of a sudden now he feels lost and he feels alone. He feels like he's drowning. He feels like no one understands him. He feels like no one is with him. And he cries out to God. And it seems like there's no answer. Usually, in the midst of our storms, there are two things we seek from God. The first is explanation. Why? In the face of injustice, often the question we have is why? How many of us, when we heard that story about the baby with cancer, had to ask why? Like, yes, it's good that the cancer is gone now, but why in the world should babies ever have cancer? Why? Why is there a disease like Alzheimer's? Why do marriages fall apart even when you're working? Why? Why is a question that as parents you get to know? Emmett and Elijah asked, Emmett, Elijah, and Arlo ask a lot of questions, ask a lot of whys. Why does my brother get to go first? Why do I have to go first? As parents, we ask a lot of questions too. Why did you just hit your brother? At the emergency room, we ask, why don't you want to do punch cards? But here, here, Elijah seems to be asking God why. God doesn't answer it. You see, God never promises to tell us why. Even Jesus, when he was here, did not explain why to everyone. Pilate, there at his crucifixion, is asking Jesus questions, and Jesus remains silent. Because there is no logic behind the consequences of sin. We suffer for other people's choices, we hurt because of other people's sins we also suffer because of our own choices and our own sin but there is no easy why there's no easy explanation it doesn't all make sense you cannot look at the cross and have it make sense that the God of the universe would go through that because of what we have done it's not fair it's not just there is no easy why You can't tell me that a baby has done something to deserve cancer. There is no simple answer. The other thing that we often seek in the midst of the storm is for God to just end the storm. I... Think of the story that Pastor Lindsay so eloquently preached on last Sabbath. Where Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. They're in the storm. They wake him up. And three words. Three words change their world. Peace be still. That's the God we serve. He has the ability to speak to storms. He has the ability to talk to wind and waves. And they listen. Listen. And so, in the midst of our own storms, we wonder God, where is your voice? There's a beautiful story of an ant, but as much as we all wanted that ant to get out of that hole, what happens when it's our own children? What happens when we're in the storm? And we know that the God of the universe with three little words could end it all right then. Peace be still. And yet there's silence. I think of a good friend of mine from elementary school. A little over a week ago they lost their seven-year-old son. With three words, Jesus could have kept that from happening. But he did not. There aren't easy answers. But as Christians, this is something we have to wrestle with. Because so often in the storms... When the wind is raging and the waves are crashing... It seems like God is asleep. It seems like he's not answering. But there, in 1 Kings chapter 19, God says, go and stand before the Lord. As I pass by, and there's a great strong wind. This wind was splitting Rocks. This was no gentle breeze. This wind was tearing the mountains apart, but God wasn't in the wind. Then there was an earthquake. The very foundations of the earth shook, and God wasn't in the earthquake. And then a fire. This was Mount Horeb, where God had showed up as fire there before. But he wasn't in the fire. And then I love the way it's put in the New Revised Standard Version. There was the sound of sheer silence. A silence, Elijah goes to the mouth of the cave. And in the silence, he hears a whisper. sometimes more important than what you say is how you say it he spoke in a whisper i can only think of two reasons to whisper first one is the one we use the most and it's because we don't want people to hear what we're saying because it's probably something we shouldn't be saying And the second is you are so close to someone it would be awkward to speak at any other volume. The God of the universe in the midst of Elijah's storm was so close to Elijah he could do nothing but whisper. You see, God doesn't promise that there will be no storms. He doesn't promise that he will explain everything. He does not promise that he will end all storms. But over and over again throughout the Bible, he does promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. He does promise that he will be with us to the very end of the age. He does promise that nothing can separate us from him. Where is God in the storm? So close. He has to whisper. You see, I don't know where we got this idea along the way that there was somehow this magical combination of words. And if these words were said together, it could make everything better. And so, when we come across someone who is in the midst of the storm and we try to say these words, we try to say, oh, all things work together for good. When we say, oh, God has a plan for this. When we say all of these things that we somehow think are going to make it better, but they don't. Don't think for a moment that God is the causer of the storm. We learn from the story of Joseph that although there are storms, God can use those for good. But that doesn't make them his storms. But let's take a page out of God's book here because God, instead of trying to say the right thing to make everything better, he says, let me journey with you. Let me be with you in the midst of this storm. The miracle of Jesus in the boat was not those three words, peace be still. The miracle that should absolutely alter the way we think is the fact that the God of the universe was in a boat in the middle of a storm. And that's why when the disciples woke him and said, don't you care, he didn't say... Of course I care. Thank you for waking me. I'll take care of it. He said, oh, you have little faith. Didn't you know I was already here? It's Christians. We need to learn from this. So often, we try to say the right words to make it all better. If you need to say something to someone who's in the midst of the storm, make sure that you are close enough to them that you've got to whisper. Because that's, that's who God is. He's a God who left his throne to lay in a manger. So we know that this God is a God who there's no storm he's not willing to enter. We can trust those nail-scarred hands to hold our burdens. And if you are in the middle of a storm and you are failing to see God right now, I encourage you, read through the story of the cross. Read through the story of the cross because as you read through the very storm that Jesus went through because he loves you, you will find him in your storm. Read it over and over again until you find Jesus in your storm. And when the lightning flashes and you see his face, it's going to be closer than you expected. What if, church, as followers of Jesus Christ, what if we too When we saw people hurting, when we saw people struggling, when we saw people drowning, when we saw people in the midst of a storm, instead of trying to say the right thing, said, let me journey with you. Let me go through this with you. Because that's the God we serve. That's the church I believe in. Dearest Heavenly Father, God, thank you for being God who is willing to not only enter our storms, but journey with us. Thank you for being God who will go through whatever it may be, even when we've caused it ourselves. So, God, Help us also. Help us also to journey with those around us who are hurting, who are struggling, who are alone. Because that's what it means to be a, your disciple. In your name, amen.